and I'm grateful for you this morning that you're here, and I want to invite you to open your Bibles um, over to Romans 8, and we'll look at many different passages today. Turn to the back of your worship guide, and there'll be a place for uh, filling in some notes. Yes, let me go ahead and just say, for you that were here last weekend, pastor got a little excited, and he had a lot of scripture, and the Holy Spirit moved among us, did he not? And it was a wonderful teaching of him. But I forgot number 16, bearing fruit. So go ahead and let's get that out of the way. I admit my mistake. Let's go on. Am I forgiven? Okay, and the ones that didn't come back, tell them to get over it. Okay, here we go. I want to finish up the first part of what I didn't do last weekend because, man, God just seemed to do a, a, even more than I anticipated. And then we'll get into today's message. So Holy Spirit, rain on me. When do I get the Holy Spirit as the talk today? But I want to talk to you about five reasons we need to have life in the Spirit. And let me tell you, the church that lives without much of the Spirit is a church that's pretty weak. It doesn't have a lot of powerful witness. They're not anticipating very much. They're not seeing God do. But I'm believing God in these days that we're going to see God move in unprecedented ways as He is around the globe this morning. The Holy Spirit is alive and active and reigning. And people in China and Africa and just continents all over the world. God is moving in a fresh way as well as America. We want Him to move, don't we, church? Because we're in a moral landslide without Him. and We're sinners and we need Christ. So I want to talk to you about five reasons we need to have life in the Spirit. If you look there at the book of Romans, the 8th chapter, and I won't read this again because we read it last weekend, but verses 13 through 17 here is a text about living according to the sinful nature or living according to the Spirit. And in this particular series, we're talking about living the life of being a co-heir with Jesus Christ and His life being in us and through us. And man, we're enjoying Him in unparalleled ways. It is just incredible and there's a witness of the Spirit. I want to talk to you about five things here quickly. Number one, we need the Holy Spirit because we need to change. It is one of the values that I talked about this morning I talk about often at Christ Community Church is that our God is a God that loves to change lives. He changed me at 19 as a Christ follower. Hopefully He's changed you. If not, it's not too late. Today He could change your life. This week, being at two funerals, two resurrection services, two people that had their life changed one day by Jesus Christ gave great hope. So I want, to, I, want you to just, I want you to remember this. There's an incredible need in all our lives that we need change. And the people of faith said, you see, one of my favorite quotes of all time was Dr. Howard Hendricks of Dallas Theological Seminary. And he says, I have an incurable confidence in God's ability to change lives. I adopted that as a youth pastor. I will live that as a legacy, I pray in my life, because I believe God is all about not leaving you where you are, but taking you to where you can be. And until you arrive into the presence of Jesus, you will not be, but you're on your way to being transformed to what He wants you to be. Amen? And I'm glad I'm not who I used to be. And I'm glad you're not who you used to be. I know some of you. You were some serious sinners. Do you want me to call you by name? No, that wouldn't be appropriate. Every time people come into this church that graduated me in the 70s from high school with me and Donna, and they haven't seen us in years, they remember Donna being a Christ follower, and they look at me and they go, there is grace in the house. And I'm thinking, yeah, there's grace because you came. And they're looking at me going, he ain't got all that hair anymore. I know you can't imagine, but your pastor used to have a head full of bouncing curly hair. I wish I had my ID as a freshman at Troy State University. I only reminisce about those days. May I have hair in heaven. Okay, let's go on. 
The other day I ran into somebody at a funeral and they don't ever know what to say, so then they think they'll say something cute. And they said, your yarmulke's looking quite good, Pastor. I said, thank you very much, smart Alec. So let's move on. I wanted to tell him what I thought about him. Okay, here we go. But when you have the change of the Spirit, you're a better husband. You're a better father. You're a better wife. You're a better mom. You're a better single. You're a better, better person. You're a better employer. You're a better employee. See, Christ just wants to change us. He wants us to lay ourselves down at the altar and say, Christ, empty me that I might be filled with you and your Spirit. Secondly, we need leadership of the Holy Spirit. So we need change based on this passage from Romans. Now we need to have leadership. You see, bad results happen to you and I. Write it down. Bad results happen to the two of us or all of us when we do not submit to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And he has so much that he wants to do in this corporate church, in this community, in your lives, in your families. Are you giving him a chance to do that? See, the Holy Spirit is a lot better than human, human counsel. Have you found that out yet? People a lot of times come to me because they want me to counsel them. Uh, there's a counselor in the house that I love, and I'll leave him nameless right now, and he helps people, and he gives them counsel from God's Word, and I'm grateful for that. But the ultimate counselor is who? God, the Holy Spirit. And he wants to give counsel, and he wants to bring leadership in your life. And uh, let, me, let me jump on it to this. When he gives counsel, when he gives leadership, he gives promptings. That's a word you ought to write down today. Have you had any Holy Spirit promptings lately? When the Spirit prompts me, I am led, I am compelled to do something. And many times you've had a prompting from the Holy Spirit if you're a Christ follower and you've acted on it and you've been blessed and some of you have chosen to ignore that prompting and you've missed being a channel of blessing. As I was talking to Brenda last week pre-resurrection service on Tuesday for Jason, she made that comment. Basically to the best of Jason's ability as he was led or could have said prompted of the Lord he purposed in his heart to do what it was God was leading him to do, and he did it. And I thought, he got the leadership of the Holy Spirit. How about you? The Holy Spirit's leading us to do a lot of things. A lot of times we're just ignoring it, and we're missing what God has for us. So I pray in these days we're going to get into the fullness of what he, what he has for us. Let me just give you some things about promptings. Write these down. These are practical. The Holy Spirit will prompt you to go and visit people you don't want to visit. Do I have a witness? He will also prompt you to reconcile with people you don't want to reconcile with. Do I have a witness? He will prompt you to forgive people you don't want to forgive. That was kind of weird. Amen. The Holy Spirit, man, He's God, and He has full counsel and full range in Rome, and He just has things that He wants us to do, and He prompts us. I mean, I think about the blessings of my life when I followed His leadership. Uh, here's one. The Holy Spirit, hold on. No, I really don't want you to hold on. I want you to let loose. Let's take another offering. Here we go. Can we take another offering? The Holy Spirit will prompt you to give away. And the church said, that wasn't very good, but we, we should take an offering. I mean, that was, that was some preaching right then, okay? You're like, you ain't persuading me. You're like with King Agrippa. Apostle Paul, you almost persuaded me to become a believer today. If I can persuade you to give up your money, man, I am preaching. But it's, you know what, it's God's money. You just hadn't recognized that some of you, and some of you have, but God will prompt you to do, God will prompt you to give stuff away, won't he? I mean, there's stuff I give away, there's no way in my flesh I would give it away, because I'm selfish. Now, hey, don't say amen. Some of you are very selfish. Some of you, man, you just give, and you give, and you have the spiritual gift of giving. 
It's beautiful. Some of you have the spiritual gift, which is not of hoarding. You caught that, did you? God's got a lot to do, and he's got a lot to do with us. I told the membership this morning, we're the most blessed nation on the face of the earth. That means great responsibility. I'm looking forward to when God gets us to let go of everything we have, our talents, our time, and our treasures, and we really become the people of faith that he's called us to be. Our church will never be the same. Our community won't. Third, we need confidence. The Holy Spirit produces confidence in you and I. And he wants to give confidence this morning, overwhelming. Confidence that comes in a relationship with him. Because see, for some of you, there's been a spirit of bondage. And God wants to break off the bondage and he wants to set you free. And he wants to give you a full, abundant, outrageous, full life in the Son this morning in the Spirit. You know, when I talk about confidence, it means to call out Abba in intimacy. In North America, we have a term. And in Hebrew, it's Abba. And in our language, we call it Daddy. Some people say, Papa. And some of you have become to come in that kind of relationship with the Father, and, and, and you just call him Papa. Daddy. When I'm praying, sometimes I just go, Heavenly Daddy. Father. See, Father's a little stoic and a little cold to me. How many of you went, Father, may I goeth nowest, to cometh quickest, to goeth forever? <laughs> Father, may I haveth the keyeth, to driveth the careth? I, I just, I never spoke to my dad like that. Matter of fact, I speak so fast and I've learned to slow down. You're going, you slow down? I love it when we have international people in the house. They just look at me and they smile. They have no clue. They thought we just heard a message in tongues or something. We don't know what it was, but he just spoke. I don't know what he said. But I spoke so fast and I am learning to slow down. I wish my dad was here this morning. He's in the heavenly host, though. Because he would say, son, you're a passionate preacher. Slow down. And I've tried to learn to slow my cadence over the years. But I, am, I, am, I had an endearing term, Daddy. And when I got real hurry, Diddy. Diddy! And people go, you called him Diddy. I, I know, I meant to say Daddy. But I loved him. And I loved him dearly. But how much more do I love my Heavenly Daddy? How about you? See, some of us, that's all we've got is our Heavenly Father. And He loves to hold us this morning. This morning, I just want you to give permission to the Father, not that He needs it, and say, God, would you just give me a big old hug this morning? Some of you just need a big old hug. And you know what you're saying? I don't like to hug. Well, you need to get no Steve Bronstein. You'll get over it real quick. I started hugging men 15 years ago, and I was free in my masculinity. But when Steve hugged me, I said, glory to God, thank you he ain't seven foot, or he'd have just crushed everything in my body. Little bulldog just grabbed me and said, Get. Every Sunday he grabs me and goes, Give him heaven. I said, I might right now. If you squeeze me any harder, Daddy, Abba, Papa. Here's what I want you to write down Daddy, I'm lonely. I'm hurt. I'm desperate without you. Have you come to that place yet where you just go, God, if I don't get you, I'm going to miss it. I need participation. Galatians 4, 6 is a passage you might want to write down and it says this, because you're the sons, because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out Abba, Father. There's that term. And for some of you today, you love to hear this and you have sweet memories of your dad that now lives and your dad that did live. And for the dad that you had hope. And maybe it's the dad you are, the dad you will become. But he is a heavenly daddy and and I'm just, I just got to tell you right now, God is good. And He loves us. 
And He won't leave us alone. I know that because Jesus said, if I go, I'll send another. And if I don't go, I can't send Him. But when I go, I will send another and He will be the comforter and He will grip you. That's my translation. He'll connect with you. It's the Holy Spirit that we're talking about. So Lord, thank You. Fourth, we need intimacy. We were made for intimacy with Him. Now, we might find intimacy with a mate, with our family, with people we're close to, and that's all needed because a lack of intimacy breeds kind of discontent and, and, and pain and all kind of separation. But God says, I adopt you into my family and faith, and I sign the papers, if you will, we'll see in a minute, and I just want intimacy. And this morning, some of you are scared of intimacy. There's a big block on your life. And I'm asking you, lower it and let the Holy Spirit begin to come in and woo and draw and heal that broken place. There's a broken place in all of us. I'm reminded every week that I live life that I have an Adamic sin nature that's been regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Christ is my life and He lives in me. But I have a propensity to sin. And so do you. And I need His intimacy. And I need Him close. God, I'm desperate for you because, God, I'm just a mess without you. How about you? Are you a mess without God? You are. You're saying, well, no, I've got sanctified flesh. You are fooled and deceived big time. There ain't nothing sanctified about your flesh. Your flesh stinks. So does mine. Fifth, we need security. The Holy Spirit bears witness, and we'll see how, how this morning. He just bears witness to our life and to our soul and and he, he gives us the messages of heaven and, and he just says, hey, you're mine and I'm yours. And this morning, if you're in Christ, you belong to the king. To the king. Man, I'm excited about that because, man, I live 20, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years and life's over, but man, when I belong to the king, I reign and rule over the kingdoms forever and ever and ever. Amen. God, I'm grateful for that ministry. This morning, Brother Jason and Linda and a whole host of other people the Pope and different ones that have all trusted in Jesus Christ, they reign from on high from a new perspective this morning. Isn't that awesome? And if you're in Christ, you shall reign one day with Him. But in this life, you're a co-heir with Jesus Christ. Now, let's move on to what I want to try to share with you today. And I want you to just, I think there's a quote here I want to give you. I need Jesus Christ for my eternal life and the Holy Spirit for my internal life. The internal workings. The Holy Spirit wants to come and dwell and move and shape and mold and conform and rearrange and redirect your life. And if you've given the Holy Spirit free rule, He is doing that right now as I speak. And if you have grieved Him, if you don't have Christ, the Holy Spirit's not there. If you're in Christ, He is there, but maybe you have pushed Him aside in this morning. I'm begging you with compassion of the, of the mercy of God, come near and say, God, I want to touch your heart today. I just want to touch your heart. I'm tired of doing it by my own. How many of you have ever tried to do stuff on your own? I'm a man. I'm a woman. And I can do this. Yeah, I've seen what you do. You do something as well, and you stink at some. And what do we do in our houses? We don't dare tell them unless we're mad. And when we're mad, we go, man, what were you joking? That was a, that was a joke. But you know what? When God helps us, and we let God do it through us, isn't it awesome what happens? I heard James McDonald say something tonight that's just been ringing in my prayer life all week. He says, I'm just an ordinary man serving an extraordinary God. Man, I, I would write that in your Bible somewhere and give James credit. Because I'm telling you what, God is extraordinary. He is supernatural. He is all-powerful. He is awesome. And we're just ordinary bumpkins down here. I don't care if you've got a Ph.D., M.D., 
DDS, MD, MS, MRS, uh, REV, what, man, just give me some title. Engineer, you know, I don't care what you are. Just put initials. You know, sometimes I, I see all these initials by people's name. I go, they're important. You know what God says? They're educated, but they're ordinary people. Everybody has value to the Father. Matter of fact, I find the people that are just surrendered to Him, they're the ones that really get it. So this morning, I'm not making fun of education. I'm into education, and education's important, so don't leave here to pass. You say, hey, the pastor said education's stupid, Mom. I'm not going. I'm quitting. I'm in the eighth grade. I didn't say that. I went to school so long, I thought I'd never get out. I won't tell you how many years I spent in the eighth grade, but uh, no, I did. I did. I used to tell people my junior high was so fun, I spent four years there, but I really didn't. I spent three there like you were supposed to. And I celebrated when I got out. And so did my teacher. She was so glad I was gone. Okay. So the Holy Spirit at work around the globe in our hearts. But let me, let me just give you a quick thought about this. When the Holy Spirit comes and He begins to move and make a, a work in the heart of the people of God, the devil can't stand it. Hear me carefully. And he produces a counterfeit and he tries to work parallel and tandem alongside because he doesn't want glory given to the Father. And in the days that we lived, I had seen many counterfeits of God and of the Holy Spirit, I want to tell you. I've even gone to some places I wasn't sure if it was all because I want, I want to give you something today I want you to hear with all your heart. Whether you disagree or agree, that's not my point. I want to give you truth the way I understand it. I'm an experiential person. Have y'all figured that out? But I base my faith in faith in the Lord Jesus Christ in this book. this book. This book is profitable for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness. I think I just misquoted it, but it's 2 Timothy 3.16. Okay, help me out. And this morning, I'm telling you, where, where the Holy Spirit dwells, the unholy spirit wants to come, and there's a lot of untrue, unbiblical teachings. And let me just tell you this. Do not base your faith on your experience. Base it on the Word of God. And when you have an experience, go and see if it's in the book. And if it's in the book, it could be of the Father, and it is. And if it's not, it's not of Him. I'm tired of people running around. I had a manifestation. I had an experience. I go, tell me about it. Have you checked it according to the book of the Lord Jesus? Because God's big enough. He, he's God. He's already recorded it in here. And I will go ahead and tell you, I'm not a dispensationist or cessationist. I'm not a cessationist. I believe in all the gifts of the Spirit. I tell people that all the time. But I believe there's balance. I believe there's order. And I believe God will back it up in His Word every time. So what I'm saying is go for what God's got. I want this body to go for everything God's got, but nothing less and nothing more. How about you? And just check it out. I'm giving that Word this morning with force because I've ministered out of that, and I just want you to know we are going to return to the precepts of Scripture. And when we base it on Scripture, then we can go, God, you have confirmed it in your Word. So many times in my life, God confirms it through His book, and then I know it's biblical. And when it's biblical, it's holy. Amen? I think some of you are saying, I understand what He's trying to say. That, that's good. Because there's so much confusion in the body of Christ. And there need not be. God left us the Holy Spirit. He left us a book to teach us. So I'm trying to say, if Satan calls a conference, I'm calling a conference with Abba. Hey, God... What do you think about that? What do you say? And when God backs it up in the book, i got everything to stand on. I'm standing on His Word. How about you? And that's awesome because the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is moving today in this room. And He... Oh, I'll move on. So when the Holy Spirit moves on a person, what does He bring? 
I want, to, I want to give you something here real quick. Number one, he brings the conviction on our life. The Holy Spirit will bring conviction to us when he begins to move in the heart of man, woman, boy, or girl, or on a people, or a church, or a nation even. God brings conviction. And that conviction, the, the thing you want to feel in here says, it causes us to recognize our sin. Because the Scripture is very quick to confirm and, and to build and strengthen and, and do great things for me and feed my soul. and We need to be fed on the Word. But it also, because of the Word, I see that I've missed the mark of God. I'm in error. And, it, and the Holy Spirit quickens this, the Word in my life. And then I go, God, I missed it. And God tells us truth. Isn't that great? You don't have to go, well, I don't know if this is of God or not of God. Check out the book. If you don't know the book, ask somebody. Say, is that in the Word? Where were that all the time people call the church? Sue, ask the pastor where so-and-so is. Or they call me and ask me. And a lot of times I tell them, and a lot of times I go, I don't know. Let's get on the computer quick. Thank God for computers. I mean, I know a lot of addresses in Scripture, but a lot of them I don't. I know, I know it's in there, but you know what? I know it's in there. Don't cut it. <laughs> so I need to help. So, you know, you get you some, hey, let me tell you, this is, this is free. Get you a good concordance if you don't have one, if you're a Bible believer this morning. Yeah, leave the man alone. And just begin to look it up. I'll give you one. Let me go ahead and give you one of my secrets. Write this down. BibleGateway.com Okay, www.biblegateway.com And you can look up references and you can look up different translations and you can begin to search for stuff and it will help you and it will save me time. But it will bless you. It causes you to recognize your sin. Romans 7, 13. Listen to this. Did that which is good then become death to me? By no means, but in order that sin might be recognized as sin, it produced death in me through what was good, so that through the commandment, sin might become utterly sinful. The Apostle Paul was telling the people here of what sin was and how we could recognize it. So I'm just trying to... Psalm 51. Create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence, O Lord, or take your Holy Spirit from me, which I'm going to come back to this verse, because today I think we're going to get some revelation on this verse that we need, that we maybe haven't had. Secondly, write this down quickly. The Holy Spirit calls us to repent of our sin. And repent, repent simply, this is all it means. I change my thinking. I turn and go a different direction than where I was going. And this morning, the Holy Spirit wants to be quick to teach me and you, you are headed this way, and I want you there. So when I'm headed the wrong way, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? What do you need to do? And what do we do? We keep walking. And what's the Spirit saying? Walk that way. We keep walking. Good, yeah. And what do we do? Some of us are hard-headed. And guess what? Ooh, it's cooler over here. I ought to preach over here. Okay. Yeah, cooler. You notice that? I'm out of the heat of God. And God's just calling us to turn around and go back to Him. Amen? Man, hey, the air conditioner cut on. Thank you, God. Uh, are y'all having fun yet? Are you being taught God's Word? Isn't it good I don't teach you out of the Reader's Digest? Yeah. Or some Bible story I learned as a kid and we never share God's Word. I want you to be full counsel of God's Word. How about that? Holy Spirit, you're a great minister. Teach us and lead us in these days. So he calls us. He changes our thinking. Let me just give you a quick one. 2 Corinthians 7.10. All right, number two. He gives us, gives us the regeneration by the Holy Spirit. Titus 3.5 says these words. 
He saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but, but according to His mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. God regenerates. God quickens our spirit. And He regenerates us when, he, when we're born again. We become new creations. It's, it's a beautiful thing. So this morning, God wants to regenerate us. And, and, and the Bible says, flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. And the Holy Spirit just wants to be birthed in you and He wants to move in you and He wants to fill you and He wants to control me in you. And He wants to have His free reign in our life. So there's regeneration. Romans 8.16. Look at this passage with me on the screen. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are who? God's children. We are His. His Spirit that dwells in us testifies, affirms, confirms that we're His. It's a great ministry of the Holy Spirit. So He regenerates us. And then I want you to see the third. Then there's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit just comes to, to dwell and to fill. 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20. I want you to hear that inside of the King James, New King James. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you're not your own, for you were bought at a price? Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which is God's. God just wants to come and dwell. And we've been bought. We're no longer our own if we're a Christian today. And we follow Jesus Christ. The Bible says we belong to Him. And He belongs to us. And He comes. And I want to show you what He does in this particular thing of the indwelling. Number one, He comes to live in the life of the believer. If you have called upon the name of Jesus Christ, I will assure you based on God's Word and my, not my opinion, He dwells in you. Ephesians 2.22 says, And in Him you two are being built together, to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. By being born again, born of the Spirit, as John, as Nicodemus was talking to Jesus, His Spirit comes to make a deposit, and He dwells, and He lives, and He comes to every believer. Give me the second thing He does. He creates fellowship within the believer. With the family of faith, the body of Christ, the Holy Spirit creates fellowship. And this morning, we're in the great fellowship of the body of Christ with the Holy Spirit being our leader. Isn't that awesome? And He just dwells, and He's flowing up and down the roads, and He's in your hearts, and He's in this room, and He's in believers. 2 Corinthians 13, 14 says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. The Apostle Paul says the Holy Spirit is here. And may He be with you all. May He fill you. May He control you. May He consume you. May He lead you. May He direct you. God, thank you for that ministry this morning. In Philippians 2.1, I love what this passage says. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, in union with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship, circle it with His Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, that's what the Holy Spirit comes to do. He just comes to take over and control. So the Holy Spirit comes and He moves to comfort to encourage, to build, to edify, to give fellowship. This church has a history of liking fellowship. How about you? Do you enjoy fellowship? Do you enjoy breaking bread and, and having time together and laughing and, and eating good food? How many of you enjoy that? The rest of you, are you on a diet or something? I mean, what is it? Yeah, we, we man, we like fellowship. Well, let me tell you. There is a fellowship of fellowships of the kingdom of the Holy Spirit, and He wants to come and have fellowship with everybody in this room this morning. And when we fellowship and are in union with Him, it's beautiful. 
And you know what? We're beautiful to the unsaved world when we fellowship and when we walk in unity. The world says they got something. I don't know what it is, but there's something tying them together. I know who it is. It's Jesus. It's the Father. It's the Holy Spirit. So He comes to dwell and to move and to fill. Let me the fourth thing. He comes to seal. The sealing of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes, and He has come, and He will come, and He is moving, He will seal. And, and basically, I want to give you something here that I think this is, is, is so key. Open your Bibles, and I want you to turn over to Ephesians real quick. I've shared this passage. I cannot tell you the number of times over my ministry that the Lord has given to me. And I've shared it and shared it and shared it. And uh, I forgot to mark it in, in this particular Bible that I'm using these days. I've marked it in so many. But I want you to see something. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Can you turn there? And I want you to underline this because these are powerful words of Scripture. You say, when does the Holy Spirit come? I'm fixing to show you. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation. Having believed, you were sealed, marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Look right on to verse 14. Who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. Here's the point. God seals us and He marks us as His possession. That's the next blank, guys. He marks us as His possession this morning. So sealing means God says, you're mine. I claim you as mine. I sign the adoption papers. You're mine. Let me tell you, when Ken and Cindy got baby Jake, and they went through all the courts and all the process, and they signed all the papers, and they declared that Jake was now a... Debarta Laban. He belongs to them. It was an awesome day. The other day, Gary Hunley comes here to preach for me sometimes. Gary, one of his daughters, they just adopted a beautiful baby. We got to meet her the other night, the Faith Radio 21st anniversary. It was an awesome thing with James McDonald. And we met little Michaela. And man, when he talks about adoption, she became theirs when they signed. See, you become God's when God seals it. He marks you. Have you got it now? God marks us. Let me tell you what else He does. He places within us His Spirit, His Holy Spirit. He, he puts that deposit in there. And this morning, God has made a great deposit for those that are in Christ. So you, you look at it. Let me give you 2 Corinthians 5, 5. Now it is God who made us for this very purpose, and He has given us the Spirit as a deposit to guarantee what is to come. In a different passage here, the Apostle Paul is just confirming what God's already said. I will confirm the deposit I've put in your life. I'm so glad God gave us His Word, aren't you? Because sometimes when you doubt you're saved, you doubt your salvation, you doubt your journey, if you don't have God's Word and you have the Holy Spirit, you're in trouble. But when you have that, there's victory here. There's powerful. Now, Lord, I want to thank you for this truth. So when do I get the Holy Spirit? I get Him at salvation. Now, I've read a lot on this over the last many years. And I continue to study. And there's this book I'm reading about the Holy Spirit, the beliefs of those from like the 1800s into the early 1900s. And they were great. R.A. Torrey and Charles Finney and Hudson Taylor and great theologians. And they differed and they agreed, but they had the unity of the Spirit. And there's so much thought and opinion and interpretation. And I'm giving to you what I really believe God's Word teaches. And maybe you agree with most of it, maybe you don't, but I want you to be a searcher and a seeker of God's heart. Is that fair enough? 
So when do I get the Holy Spirit? You get it at the moment of salvation. Amen? I mean, so many times people say, well, when do I get the Holy Spirit? You got Him. If you're saved, if you're in Christ, you got the Holy Spirit. Now, we're going to talk next weekend about being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a whole different matter. And it's what God wants for us. I'm telling you right now, I want you to turn to the person to your left and to your right and say, you got to come back next weekend with me. Tell them. Say, you got to come next weekend. <laughs> say it like you mean it. Because I believe next weekend we're going to tie all this together. All right, y'all quit talking. You're having too much fun, okay? I said y'all enjoy that fellowship stuff way too much. Somebody said, who are we going to lunch? Is he fixing to finish up quickly? I heard, I heard that comment, and it hurt my feelings, okay? But Acts 2, turn over to Acts 2. I'm fixing to tackle something heavy, heavy, heavy just in a few minutes. Somebody say, I can't believe. Hey, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty courageous in the Holy Spirit. How about you? I'm a chicken in my flesh. There's things I wouldn't touch in my flesh, but with God's help and His leadership, I'll try to tackle the tough things. So when I get the Holy Spirit, I believe, and most people will agree, hey, you get it at, at salvation. Then you get into different streams in the body of Christ, and you get into baptism in the Holy Spirit, and you get into the filling of the Holy Spirit, and you get into indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And we could talk about that, and we could discuss that, and we could fight about that, and we could love each other, and we could discuss it again. But let's just look at some scripture and see what God says. In Acts 2 here, there's a couple of possibilities here. Because in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit does not dwell, He did not dwell in people as He does today in the heart of believers. Let me give you some things I want you to write down real quick. You need, you need to understand this. Here's how the Holy Spirit came in a sacrificial system of the Old Testament of what the Hebrews, of what the Israel and everybody walked in. Number one, it was only for some. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was only for some. Examples, Joseph, Gideon, Joshua, we can name others. And the Holy Spirit would come to some elect few. Secondly, there was a temporary presence of the Holy Spirit. For instance, Saul. The Spirit came upon Saul, and the Spirit did what? It left Saul. It departed. So it wasn't a continual forever deal. Third thing is, there was only a partial movement or partial work of the Spirit on people's life. It was an Old Testament sacrificial deal. It, it's different. We are New Testament believers. We're on this side of Pentecost. How many of you are glad for that? It's totally different. You know, the disciples, they were walking and they were under the Old Testament laws and sacrifice systems and Jesus was saying, hey, I'm coming. I'm going to fulfill the law. I am the law. I am the, you know, I am life and I am the resurrection. And so, so there was a uh, there was a transitional time period from the Old Testament to the New Testament. How many of you know that? And in Malachi to the New Testament, there was 400 years of silence. Wow, what a period to live when God grew silent. But this morning, I just want, I want you to look here in Acts 2. You begin to see the day of Pentecost, how he came. In verse 2, this was not the norm. I've not read how he's done this since, but this is how he did it then. A sound blowing of a violent wind came up from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be the tongues of fire that separated. He came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in other tongues, and the Spirit enabled them. And he goes on and on, and they, and they spoke in his own language where they could hear. It was a mighty feat, awesome movement of God, of the Holy Spirit. And the church said, but has, do we see that today? We see it perpetuated, but we don't see this movement being repeated. At least that's what I believe. I believe the Holy Spirit comes at salvation. Now, there's feeling. And I'm, I'm going to make a statement today that I think you're going to agree with when I close in just a minute. So they, they were fussing earlier going, 
well, you baptize of this and you baptize of that. Who do you baptize? I baptize in the name of Jesus. Oh, of Jesus we have not heard of the resurrection. So Peter, when he was filled in this experience, he began to speak and preach boldly. And the Bible says, how many got saved? 3,000. Kind of a little meeting, you know. A lot of decisions. I got excited about 12 on Easter. How about 3,000? That, that's a movement, isn't it? So Jesus in John 14, John 15, John 16, he begins to minister and tell us about the movement and the coming of the Holy Spirit. So in Acts 2, 1, it's a subsequent to salvation here. It's what we see, this rushing wind, what's going, and God says, I place within you my spirit. But let's look at Acts 2, 38. Move down there with me. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will what? Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He comes. He marks. When do we get the Holy Spirit, church? At the moment of salvation. And I can't stand for people to tell me, have you got the Holy Spirit? I got the Spirit. How about you? They're like, I don't know. I think I had Him yesterday. You didn't have Him yesterday and you don't have Him today. Either you got Him or you ain't got Him. Amen? Now, I'm emphatic about this. I've got to just state my ministry on this this morning because I'm so tired of people walking around being biblically ignorant. I wish the Holy Spirit would show up. He showed up when I walked in the room. Amen? When you walked in the room, did he show up? Oh, that was pitiful. Yes. Either he's in you or he's not in you. Did, you. did he show up this morning when you gathered in this room? Good. Hope you meant it. Good. Holy Spirit. Now, we have the Holy Spirit, but how much of you does he have? Oh. Huh. Come back next week. We are going to talk and I'm going to preach on the filling of the Holy Spirit. What it means. It's going to be a powerful service of witness in Scripture and His glory. I want you to come. I want you to bring your friends with you next week. I want us to put out more chairs than we had Easter because I am ready for us to see what Jesus said and what the Father says and what the Holy Spirit says wants to say to the church and let's get filled with the Holy Spirit and I'm, I mean, I'm going to have a long message next week and you're going, man, I can't wait you bring reams of paper, you bring whatever some of you just need to buy this CD set I'm telling you, when I conclude it wait a minute, in two more weeks you need to get it and play it over and over and over and say, hey, I got it now, I got the Holy Spirit I don't have the Holy Spirit see, when you have Christ as Savior you have the Holy Spirit but here's the question I want you to write down I want you to write this in a box this morning does the Holy Spirit have all of you? Mm. And don't just yell something. Does the Holy Spirit have all of you?